Blog Talk Radio. I'm a truth terrorist. I'm a knowledge gangster. I'm a black history hitman. I'm a live killer urban gorilla. I gotta be a rough nag. Free the Black Panthers. FCBP. Stand for Free the Black Panthers. If up the black police. That 13th Amendment. Trying to make a slave of me. You can like my body, can't trap my mind, not forever be free. Okay, free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers, and fuck the black police. Feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership roles, but we still here, finna build here, up coin tail pro. Show, they got me started, lying hearted, I'm the new Mufasa. And I'm all about Umoja, first in Guzu Saba. Let's bring back the black families, we need our father. Single mama, son and daughter, that's root of the problem. Wise up, we wise up. Unity is so powerful. Black banks, black schools, black on black power moves. You telling lies, you think this shit won't be televised. Black power, be scared guys, that be standing there like they paralyzed. Huh? We say fuck the system, cause we above the system. We keep ARs and pistols, shotguns that's worth the crystal. But that's for self-defense, make sure we have no issues. Be sure to leave it at the door if you have it with you. This for them freedom fighters, that lost their freedom. Until they freedom, we screaming carpe diem. This for the general, King Khalid Muhammad. We gon' make your day a holiday, I fuck me promise. Free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers. If up the black police, that 13th Amendment, tryna make a slave of me. You can like my body, can't trap my mind, not forever be free. Okay, free the Black Panthers, FCBP, stand for free the Black Panthers. If up the black police, feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership roles. My sisters, my brothers, the council, the elders, that's really all I need. We suited, we booted, don't do it, you stupid, we head to the armory. Black woman and goddess, regardless, my heart just don't fuck with misogyny, foolish that don't tolerate it. Melanated, so you gotta hate it. But rock up, up another conversation. Trump finna get inaugurated, damn. Unify or die. NBPP.org. First and foremost, the new Black Panther Party, no, no other Black Panther Party, we're not violent. We are for self-defense and self-determination. And the most violent group in this country are the police. What is taking place by the police department to black people across this country is ethnic cleansing and genocide. It has escalated Barack Obama was inaugurated in 2008. We have a, 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 a people who are only 13% of the population, yet we make up 80% of the prisons. We have 50% unemployment rate in the black community, and it's actually even more than that because they're not counting our people that are in the prisons. The 13th Amendment said you could not be made a slave or indigenous service unless you commit a crime. We need our own nation. General policy recommendations, just good public policy. Us 
doing extra credit work, so to speak, and coming up with, you know, good public policy that corresponds with the particular section in the report that, that asks us to consider, you know, policies that disproportionately impact the African-American community but may benefit other people. So that's why I was recommending that, again, the reparation section mm -hmm. is part four. I'm going to just be straight up. The reparation section, that's part four. That's the compensation. That's the restitution, which has several references to the agency. Then also a part of that um, section would be the agency that, you know, will provide direct repertory justice services, um, a.k.a. full forms of reparations under international law. And then part five, that's the good public policy section. We're not calling that reparations. That's the good public policy um, section that corresponds with a particular chapter, I mean a particular um, section in the statute um, that requires us to consider how California laws and policies that continue to disproportionately and negatively affect African Americans as a group and perpetuate the lingering material and psychosocial effects of slavery can be eliminated. So again, part four is the reparation section for the community of eligibility. And part five is the good public policy section that satisfies 83013AC of the statute. Okay, I, I get that. I, I do believe, though, that there are still some poli policies that are descendant specific, even in those. Yeah. That's true. And then I was also thinking through that I was, as I was going through the drafts, I'm like, do we need to pull all the descendant specific policies into part four as well? as well, so there's no confusion either. I think based on timing, we do have to submit something, and I, I just, like member Scott Lewis, like, you know, we, it, some of this is on the I will take responsibility, um, but I think we have to go, uh, my opinion is we need to go with what we have before us and try to do the best that we can with that. Um, but if I had it over to do again, I think it should have been parsed out that way, honestly, because that's where the confusion is coming from. It's coming from the fact that we're kind of putting together in the policy section universal policies and policies that are descendant specific. It's an easy fix because we're acknowledging that there's confusion and this is the space and the place to fix it where we don't have to... Um, do another notice public meeting. And so the, the other part is, one of the other rationales for why that Freeman agency needs to be in that compensation and restitution part is the agency is a form of restitution under international law. The Freeman's Bureau did once exist in this country to provide services to the descendants of slaves, but it was dismantled after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, Andrew Johnson went into power, um, and all of that progress during that brief period of reconstruction was dismantled. So having a new state agency, yes, on the state level, uh, particularly for descendants of slaves to provide direct repertory justice services, that is a form of restitution under international law. Yeah. Member Tamaki, you're recognized. So this is more of a question for uh, Professor Scott Lewis and, and Member uh, Chair Moore. 
and that is um, on the good policy points. Um, <clears throat> we're dealing with terrible data or terrible, horrific outcomes like in San Francisco, uh, the black infant mortality rate being five times that of white babies and policing. And we just concluded a 58-county uh, survey on district attorney's offices in order to ferret out uh, anti-black bias infecting everything from arrest to sentencing. And so these are areas that are, you know, they, we are addressing them in great detail in the proposals in part five. And so just for clarity, what I'm most struggling with, maybe you could clarify this, is um, for the abolition of the death penalty or for black infant mortality, we're not just talking about descendant babies. Uh, it's a healthcare outcome that is a result of a systemically racist education, you know, policies, practices within, the, within a particular sector that continues to just churn and recycle this sort of pathology. And so, um, and that it's not easily broken down into, or addressed by lineage. So I think that's part of the, my concern that if we say that uh, all forms of reparations only are addressed to descendant community. What does that, how does that translate to a healthcare provider or a UCF staff or our medical system, for instance, in addressing that uh, when, when, you know, it becomes as a practical matter very difficult to implement. And so <clears throat> that's what I'm struggling with, with that particular motion. I like, for, frankly, the motion uh, draft that um, uh, Michael Newman drafted it, and that but if we put an angle that it is has to be all all reparations has to be uh, focused on descendants, and then you have to prove lineage and whatever. How does that translate into like the San Francisco infant mortality rate? How do you fix that? So, uh, and yet I think we should have those policies in there in our report. So I don't know if that is confusing, but I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Chair Brown, you recognize. Uh, I appreciate your concern. However, we must, because of this system, go to the scene of the crime and deal with facts. And the fact is, that because we are descendants of enslavement in this nation, and we know who they are, we have to deal with that. How do you deal with a big elephant? Take one bite at a time. And we got to take this bite here, or else we as black folks will never get any kind of healing at all. Dr. King's first autobiography was entitled Strides Toward Freedom, not jumping to it. And we have not even made strides in this state. We have not made strides in this nation. U.S. Congress, neither either one president 
have done anything about this issue. So I think it comes upon the time that we got to be practitioners. We got to be social engineers and make sure that we deliver something to this black population or else we never will do it. And I'd be going on the glory. So we, we, we got to start somewhere. We got to brighten this corner. Thank you. You pretty much captured it. Again, no one is saying take anything out of the good public policy section. Yeah. My point is call it what it is, which is the good public policy section that meets 8301AC uh, of the statute. Um, and again, we voted March of last year that all forms of reparations would go to the community of eligibility. We made no distinction between monetary or other forms. Now, I understand you might have some concerns with that because you were on the minority <laughs> side. Um, but again, if you want to relitigate that, then you know, that would have to be an agenda item. That would have to be on another notice meeting. But it is what it is in terms of who we decided reparations would be for. Uh, we decided a year ago that it would be for um, descendants of enslaved people or free black people living in the United States prior to 1900. And so by law, that means that's who we need to call uh, the community of eligibility. That's who reparations goes for. We made that decision already. Everything else needs to be called what it is, which is good public policy. We've had over Member Holder, you're recognized. Since that decision came down over a year ago, we've had a year to figure out how we would constitute this report. For the last four months, we have had numerous votes, and we have come to consensus on the structure of this report. We are two hours from the deadline, and now we are talking about restructuring this entire report. If there is going, if there is going to be a restructuring, then we should use the pr correct procedure, and that is to rescind our previous decisions that we have been making over the last six months about the structure of this report. So vote, to, so move to, move to rescind the previous decisions that we have made over the last six months. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's get this vote done. We have two hours before we get shut down here, okay? So let's go ahead and do it as a motion to rescind? That's actually, a, a, respectfully, that's actually a, a misreading because the way that this report is written is actually written in a way that goes against what the task force voted on. And if people were honest about that, <laughs> if people were honest about that, then it would be those, it would be you all who would need to put in a motion to rescind the lineage vote that we affirmed last year in March 2022. But you are being honest about that, so you're trying to sub be subversive. For the last four months, we have looked at different iterations of the organization of this report. Every month, we came back. We all reviewed the report. We came to a consensus on what the structure of the report would look like. 
We cannot, in the last two hours of a two-year process, try to now completely undo everything that we just did in the last six months in terms of structuring this report. It's completely impractical, and frankly, it is, it's, it's just not ethical. So if, if, if that is, is your approach, then I say move to rescind, and then let's move forward. We don't have any more time. Let's take a vote. At the last meeting, and Member Scott Lewis has said this several times on this panel today, he, he gave the California DOJ clear instructions. So this is why we're in this situation right now in the last two hours. It's because Member Scott Lewis in the last meeting said in the good public policy section, there needs to be with each section a clear description um, that shows how each of these chapters, um, each of these policy recommendations are benefiting the community of eligibility. The DOJ did not do that. Member, uh, Member Brown, you're, um, Attorney Newman, you're recognized. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thank you for, for the discussion. It's certainly been an uh, interesting discussion. Um, I will just say that having been through the report uh, in, in a final edit after all the attorneys on staff and having read every word, every line of the report, uh, between the last meeting to this meeting, the number one change in the report is in, in light of the direction we received from the full task force last time, we have amped up throughout the entirety of the public policy section the focus on the fact that every single thing is intended to benefit the eligible class. There are certain things as we discussed as various advisory committees presented that you can't really narrow um, but even in those cases, we said that the intent of the task force is that first and foremost, they are intended to support the eligible class descendants. The, we've, uh, throughout the report, it made it quite a bit longer. Throughout the report, we've not just said African-Americans, but we've said African-Americans and some formulation of what AB 3121 says, which is specific consideration or ensuring that the benefits first flow to or some other way of saying, number one in every scenario is that descendants and members of the eligible class are benefited by every single public policy proposal. And that has changed from the last meeting because we did get the sense of the entire task force because what had come in through the original uh, advisory committee recommendations weren't all necessarily tied to this eligible class. We had this full discussion and all of that has been implemented uh, in the version of the part that, well, we're not yet actually technically there, uh, but it's all been implemented in that section. So for those who have read it, you will have noticed a significant shift and pivot in the public policy section that truly emphasizes the fact that these public policy proposals are intended by the task force first and foremost. And there's language about how previous efforts, previous things that were intended to support the African-American community, you actually had other people benefiting first. You actually had African-American people who were not getting the benefits of those programs. They were actually helping other people first. And the point of this, all these policy proposals is that descendants are helped first 
and the focus is on ameliorating the historical harms and atrocities perpetrated against African-American people. So that's the biggest difference from the last meeting to this meeting, and I want to just correct the record and ensure that everyone understands the direction of the task force as a whole was implemented. Thank you. So again, it's an easy fix. Uh, so, um, and, and again, the introduction to Part 5 still is a misreading of what the task force voted on in March of 2022. The introduction of Part 5, uh, thank you in good faith for beefing that up in the ways in which you just described. Uh, but again, the introduction of Part 5 reflects the failed motion that member Holder raised in March 2022. It does not reflect the motion that actually passed. So again, it's an easy fix in terms of um, changing that language, which also includes changing the paragraph that you had just read out to say that all forms of reparations, including monetary reparations, will go to the community of eligibility and this section, part five, is a good public policy section, so to speak, that satisfies section 8301AC1. Um, and then part four is where you have that conversation around compensation and restitution, where the agency is referenced numerous times. Um, you put that agency section up in there, um, and then you just change the title to say other forms of reparations, including compensation, restitution, rehabilitation, satisfaction, and guarantees of non-repetition, because the agency satisfies all of those requirements under international law. And then we're good. No one's asking to change um, you know, the, the, the substantive policy recommendations in part five. Again, the request is to call it what it's supposed to be ca called by virtue of the statute by the specific statutory provision. Member Montgomery, Stubb, you're recognized. Oh, Vice Chair Brown's motion is still on the floor. Then I will second it so that we could vote and make the decision. His, his motion. And our call for a point of order. I'm Sawyer, you're recognized. And this is a question for the parliamentarian because I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally confused procedurally on how we need to proceed. I'm hearing we need to rescind a vote versus m moving forward. Um, you are our parliamentarian. You're supposed to be our objective person, and obviously we've got two different versions. So as the official individual we have hired to let us know how we're supposed to proceed, Legally, um, how should we proceed now? You've got two different issues on the floor. One has to do with the Freedmen's Bureau, and the other one has to do with the reparations uh, as defined in the definition of eligibility. The proposal that uh, was advanced by Member Jovan could be moved uh, because it's an expansion. It would be an, a... a uh, amendment to what is already there, so you can ex you can ex uh, uh, ex mm, you can write that amendment. I don't know 
Now, the, in terms of doing that, but that, but I believe that the first one, because you're dealing with a structure that you voted on, an organization that you voted on, you would have to go back and undo that. So that would have to be rescinded. You can rescind it, and then you can take it at, up at the next meeting. I don't mean June 30th. I mean, obviously, a meeting between now and June 30th so that you can, uh, you know, notice it, send it out to the public, and then you can move forward in that way, and, and everyone will have an opportunity to review what you're talking about in terms of moving it. Um, but record the motion that uh, Vice Chair Brown had put on the floor before that, Member Scott Lewis spoke? Yeah, it, it, remember I said that it, you could not do that motion. It died. It was open for someone to make a motion to rescind. No okay. one did, so they moved on. And to your point, um, Member uh, John Sawyer, um, if you want to move a motion, I mean an action for it, you can call for orders of the day to get back on the agenda. You know, so that you know, so everyone knows where they are, because the chair would have to then state where you are on the agenda so that you can proceed. Member, Montgomery, Parliamentarian Johnson, uh, you can finish. Did you finish? I was just, I was waiting to be recognized by the chair. Member Montgomery, step, you're recognized. Um, so, so. To uh, Parliamentarian Johnson, you so there is no motion in second on the floor. Then is that what you're saying? Okay, that is correct. Um, I first of all, what su substantively? Now the order might change based on the recommendation. Go ahead. Yeah, yes, you did, and I seconded it. Seconded. Yes, it was. Thank so you, Parliamentarian Johnson. It was a motion on the floor by Vice Chair Brown. It was properly seconded, and I asked if you have that recorded. So, okay, so really Parliamentarian Johnson, what, what is being rescinded? What's being rescinded by the, term, by the definition of what rescind means? What is being rescinded? The order. Just the order. Okay, I'm going to point out the difference substantively of us having to 
agendize a whole other chapter of eligibility and us making changes to parts of the parts of the report that are already noticed by the public in this agenda and with the attached reports and changing that order. I understand on the technicalities what you're saying, but it really doesn't make sense because the substance is already here. So if we all agreed as a body to change that, we could do that. We could do that. No, with this, with this motion, with this, with with the, with the chair's, with the chair's recommendation. It was what we, what is in front of us, changing of the wording of Attorney Newman's conclu conclusion uh, paragraph, changing the subtitle, and also moving up the agency language to be included into the compensation chapter. That is all what has been discussed and what is in front of us. None of that is different. It's not creating a whole new paragraph or chapter. I don't think, I don't, Member Scott Lewis, did you have a, a motion? I don't think he had a motion. Did he? He did. And it was seconded. Motion then. Who seconded his motion? I don't remember that. I, I, okay. I, I don't remember that. I'm sorry. Just one second. This is the reason why we can't get it straight because we have. Wait, were you recognized? I'm sorry. Recognized. I'm recognized because we have to get out of here. So there's too many motions going back and forth. You want us to be able to get it correct. We have to have some order. So once there's a motion made, there has to be a second. If there's no second, the motion dies for lack of a second. And a new motion can be entertained. But I think it's an unfair expectation. We have these stream of consciousness conversations where people are going and cross-talking. It's hard for us to keep track of what's actually being discussed for the purpose of voting. So if we could just clearly get a motion, have a second, so that everybody knows Parliamentarian Johnson is doing her best to keep up with the conversation that's going on. But and that would be the way to move it forward. And there was a motion, and it was properly seconded. The motion was out of order. That's what Parliamentarian Johnson is saying. The motion that Dr. Brown made and was Montgomery out of order. That and that she seconded back on that, it, respectfully. The, the parliamentarian respectfully. is who's calling the balls and strikes. It's out of order. That's it. Okay. So we can take another motion and move forward. Okay, Member Montgomery, step. You're okay. recognized. Okay, all right. Step by step. What do we need to get back in order? Because whatever it is, we're going to have to vote. And so do we want, um, do we need to restate? What do we need to do from here? What is it that you're seeking to do? And then we'll tell you what you need to do. We, uh, for, I just want to put a motion on the floor so we can make a decision as a task force, how we're going to move forward and what we're going to convey to the public. Okay, so, well, the, the, what I thought that I was seconding was the chair's recommendation to change the title of the part four to include after compensation restitution the three other forms of reparation to include Attorney Newman's 
conclusory paragraph with her modifications and to move the agency language to part four. Are you saying that that would require a rescission and then we'd have to come back? It's my belief that based on the inclusion of the, the second part with the Freedmen's Bureau, that that was something that was separate and apart and it was acted on at a prior meeting. So that motion was passed at that time. And if it was passed at that time and no action was taken to change it during that meeting, you can't have reconsideration. So in order to change it, you would have to um, amend it through a rescission. That has okay. to do with the Freedmen's part. So you could separate it and you could do them both. But right now, if you're dealing with the restitution, the rest of that, then you're, you said if you did not add the Freedmen, which is part of, of uh, action item 11, correct? This is, yes. Okay, yes, so I, that was one of the programs, and there was a big discussion that's been going on for a while with regard to the program, et cetera. So if you look at the reparations portion, and you want, because you're going, you want it to, I, I know I, I heard someone was, talk about rewriting the motion and including what uh, Attorney Newman said, as well as what was already there. Is that incorrect? Because you can no, I, 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 said, I said what I said. Um, I, I, don't, I, I just don't agree with the conclusion. And, and that's, that's, I just don't agree with it. I think that the they, public they has been noticed enough for us to make that type of change. I do agree with your conclusion around the chapter of eligibility, because that would create an entire different chapter that has not been properly noticed. So I do agree with that, but I just don't agree with this. I think the public has enough notice in order to have feedback, and we have enough information to make a decision on it here. But that's just my opinion, and I'm not the chair. Recognize, Vice Chair. And this is not an opinion. This is a fact. Number one, we have a responsibility, a moral responsibility. To do something. Let me finish. Let, well, let me finish, please. Let me finish. And if this body has, <coughs> through deliberation, discussed the issue that we have on the floor now, is nothing secret? Is nothing that had not been unheard? It's time for the body that's constituted to just do it and stop going around here in circle on Tweedly D and Tweedly Dumb. And I made the motion and it got confused with cobwebs. And I called for the question. The question has been called. I'll turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote on the motion on the floor. Could you re He's calling the question. Okay. Uh, there requires a two-thirds vote to call the question. May I have, you need to get a second for the call for the question. Uh, 
All right, it's been seconded. I'm sorry. Madam Chair, you need a second for the call for the question. Oh, thank you. Okay, I will begin uh, to the vote. It requires six to pass. Uh, Chair Moore? Aye. Chair Moore says... What are we voting on? <laughs> are, we, are we not voting? You just... No, we're not voting to end of it. Okay, so now we're voting on the motion. Okay, the motion that's been properly moved by Vice Chair Brown and properly seconded by Member Montgomery Stutt. He called for the question. That stops debate. So, I mean, Dr. Brown called for the question. And when he did that, that means to end debate which is where we are now, so we were voting on that. Oh, otherwise we keep debating. It's a vote. We're gonna. Do we take a break? No, 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 Mr. Huddle. I don't know. Somebody. Somebody's confusing this thing. And it's not me. Dr. Brown, you, you just called for the question, correct? For us to vote on getting done what we need to do. And, uh, now, do we need to have the restatement of the motion? Yes, go ahead, um, Madam Chair. The restatement of the motion as it was moved by uh, Vice Chair Brown and properly seconded by Member Montgomery Stepp uh, would be to modify part four to change the title to include the three other forms of reparations, include Michael Newman's conclusory paragraph with the modifications that I mentioned earlier, and to move the agency section up to part four. Okay, I will begin the vote with Chair Brown. I'm sorry, uh, Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Vice Chair Brown. Aye. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Uh, Member Bradford. Nay. Is that nay? I, I don't. Nay. No vote. No, he's no vote. He's no vote. Okay. Um, Member Grills? Nay. Member Grills votes nay. Member Holder? No. Member Holder votes nay. Uh, Joan Sawyer, uh, Member Joan Sawyer? No vote. Member Lewis? Member Lewis votes no. Member Montgomery Stepp? Member Montgomery Stepp votes aye. Member Tamaki? Member Tamaki votes no. There were nine members present in voting. There are nine members present in voting. And the, the, there were three ayes, two no votes and four nays. The motion does not pass. 
Thank you. There are three ayes, four no votes, and two abstentions, and thus the motion fails. Uh, so as a reminder, we are on agenda item number Yeah, we're on agenda item number 10. At this? Oh. Which is it? We can, uh, <coughs> oh. um, Member John Sawyer, you're recognized. I'd like to make a motion to move to approve item number 10 as is. It has been properly moved by member Joan Sawyer and properly seconded by member Grills to approve agenda item number 10 as is. Is there any discussion on the matter? Allison? So where does that leave Michael Newman's paragraph that he wrote during lunch? You want to add paragraph? Can I amend my motion to add the paragraph for Michael Newman? Again, so the motion, okay, there's a motion to amend. Is there a second? been properly moved by Member John Sawyer, properly uh, seconded by Member Grills to uh, include the uh, paragraph that Attorney Newman wrote uh, during the lunch period. Is there any discussion on the matter? Again, my concern with the paragraph that Attorney Newman wrote during the lunch period, it doesn't accurately reflect what the task force decided in terms of eligibility. So the paragraph as written is flawed. It goes against uh, the decision that we made as a task force in March 2022. We never made a distinction that only monetary reparations goes to the community of eligibility and all other forms go to everyone else, including all Californians, regardless of background. We never made that statement. That paragraph reflects, again, the failed motion that passed, not the actual motion that passed, and that is in page 10 of the March 2022 meeting minutes. Member uh, John Sawyer, you're recognized. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Moore, for your, for your comments. Uh, I believe we've discussed this for quite a while. Um, so I'll call for the question. Is there a second? Is there a second? Is there a second on the call for the question? I will call. Okay, the question uh, has been called. Is there a second on the call of the question? Yes. Is there a second on the call of the question? It has been properly. Okay, now turn it to uh, Parliamentarian Johnson. Thank you. Two third votes is required. All in favor vote aye. I will begin with Chair Moore. No. Chair Moore votes no. Vice Chair Brown? No. Vice Chair Brown votes no. Member Bradford? Aye. Member Bradford votes aye. Member Grills? Aye. 
Member Grill votes aye. Member Holder? Member Holder votes aye. Member uh, Jones-Sawyer? Member Jones-Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis? Member Lewis votes aye. Member uh, Montgomery-Stepp? Member Montgomery-Stepp votes no. Member Tamaki? Aye. Member Tamaki votes aye. <clears throat> Madam Chair? <clears throat> Madam Chair, there were uh, six ayes. There were nine members present in voting. There were six ayes and three noes. Thank you. There are six ayes and three noes. The ayes have it, and the motion carries. Technically, technically that means that then there should be a follow-up motion to rescind the lineage eligibility vote that we made March 2022. That's the effect. That is the effect of what just passed. It's already a motion. So we'll now move to the next item on the agenda. No, no, Madam Chair, we have to vote on the main motion. Oh, sure, to, to fully finalize that yes. particular section in the report. Yes. Cool. I will begin with uh, Chair Moore. Abstain. Chair Moore abstains. Um, Vice Chair Brown? Abstain. I'm sorry, sir? Abstain. He's abstaining. Vice Chair Brown abstains. Um, Member Bradford? Member Bradford votes aye. Member Grills? Member Grill votes aye. Member Holder? Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Jones Sawyer? Aye. Member Jones Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis? Aye. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Step? Member Montgomery Step votes aye. Member Tamaki? Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there were nine members present in voting. Uh, there were seven ayes and two uh, abstentions. No nays. Thank you. There are seven ayes and two abstentions. The ayes have it and the motion carries. The next item on the agenda is action item number 11. Final discussion and vote on full final report. Part five, policy recommendations to the legislature as to the appropriate policies, programs, projects, and recommendations for the purpose of reversing the injuries. Any comments, questions, additions? Hearing none, we can entertain a motion. It's been properly moved by Senator Bradford and properly seconded uh, by Vice Chair Brown uh, to essentially uh, approve uh, action item 11, part five, policy recommendations to the legislature as the appropriate policies, programs, projects, and recommendations for the purpose of reversing the injuries. The discussion on the matter. And 
I referenced this um, before, um, but I believe the following sentence should be deleted, and I will provide a rationale for the public record. While recommending that monetary reparations be limited to the eligible class, the task force recognizes that the five pillars of reparations in AB 3121 require that it also endeavor to ensure cumulative harms of the past four centuries do not continue to be visited upon living African Americans and on society in California and the United States. At the same time, many recommendations cannot be implemented only for descendants and must instead be framed to benefit the larger community of African American Californians or even all Californians. As written, the first sentence has the potential to confuse legislators and members of the public as to who the eligible class is. As written, the second sentence makes an assertion about what can or cannot be implemented by the legislature. It is unwise for the task force to make such an insertion in the final report, especially as part of a section on policy recommendations, because it has the dangerous potential to limit and negatively influence upcoming legislation. In addition, statements and decisions of what can or cannot be implemented are best left to the legislature. Therefore, this entire statement should be deleted. So I, I, again, I have read through the entire final draft section. I read through all of the meeting minutes for the past two years. And again, this sentence is a complete misreading of the statute in and of itself. It's a, mis a deliberate, in my opinion, misinterpretation of uh, the el community of eligibility decision that we made in March 2022. Um, and therefore, that entire statement should be deleted. I will read the following sentences that should be deleted as follows. While recommending that monetary reparations be limited to the eligible class, the task force recognizes that the five pillars of reparations and AB 3121 require that it also endeavor to ensure cumulative harms of the past four centuries do not continue to be visited upon living African Americans and on society in California and the United States. At the same time, many recommendations cannot be implemented only for the descendants and must instead be framed to benefit the larger community of African American Californians or even all Californians. That, yes, or even all Californians. It's a joke at this point. Vice Chair Brown, you're recognized. This is cotton candy politics. Like Jack and the Bear making tracks and getting nowhere. We're supposed to be righting the wrongs. 
what happened on this land. Other groups were specific, direct. They were not shooting with a shotgun all over the place, pellets everywhere. Boom! It was a life rifle approach. In Germany, the Jewish community was wronged. And the German government paid the reparations. And in America, it was a Japanese community that was specifically wronged. And the U.S. government during the tenure of Ronald Reagan, pay for reparations. Let's be honest. Yes, there were violations of other people of color around this earth. But Belgium, France, Portugal, the villains including England, too. And they still haven't gotten it right over there with the racism that is still prevalent. If the house is on fire, the fire department does not come putting water on every house on the block. The fire department responds to the address of the burning house. We know what has happened to black folks in this country who are descendants of that evil system of enslavement that was for 244 to 250 years. And if we are serious about righting the wrong, we ought to stay with the scene of the crime. Or else, this political process in this nation, in this state, is going to whoop your behind. And you're going to get nothing. Thank you. Member Montgomery, step your recognized. Oh, I would just ask for an amendment or put an amendment on the floor to remove those sentences uh, from the report. Is there a second? Second. It has been properly moved by Member Montgomery Stepp and properly seconded by Senator Bradford to remove the two aforementioned sentences from the report. Is there any discussion on the matter? Member Holder, you're recognized. Page 2 of Chapter 14. That talks about who qualifies for reparations under the UN principles on reparations based on the fact that AB 3121 uh, requires us to recognize international human rights standards on reparations. I would suggest that we remove the last sentence 
and keep the other sentence, which, which, which emphasizes the importance of guarantees of non-repetition. That is critical. So I would suggest that we remove the last sentence only. So the motion, the motion on the floor is the motion on the floor. If it passes, it passes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then we can entertain that. Unless you no, want to put in the motion to amend. This is a discussion. Okay, I'm just this saying. This is a moment for discussion. Is there any dis other discussion on the matter? So what, I, what I'd like to do then is, is with a motion, a motion for a friendly amendment consistent with no, what I just said. Not, not a friendly, just an, an amendment. Amend the motion that was previously made. That's what you're seeking okay. to do. So amend uh, uh, the previous motion to be consistent with what I just said, which is to remove only the last sentence. That's the motion. I think we need to ask for a second. Okay. There is already a motion on the floor, though, so we need to deal with the motion that's no. on the floor. And we're still in the discussion on the mo we're still in the discussion on the motion on the floor. Uh, so your point is well taken, Member Holder. However, again, that first sentence is a misreading. I'm not going to go as far and say it's deliberate, but it's a misreading of the statute. And in, pre in, pre in preliminary meetings leading up to this hearing, right, I, I, I realized there wasn't an independent section on eligibility. The only references really to uh, the Committee of Eligibility was in a footnote, um, in, a, in a sparse sentence or two. And so I asked the California DOJ, uh, one of my additions was to include in the footnote, you know, the community of eligibility is descendants of slaves and free black people living in the United States prior to 1900 as clarified by the author of AB 3121, Dr. Shirley Weber. The California DOJ told me if I want to add that little phrase as clarified by the author of the bill, Shirley Weber, that would have to be a motion. And again, these two sentences here that are problematic, these are not sentences that are the voice of the task force via decisions that we've made in the past. These are decisions that have been inputted by the DOJ, so these are the opinions of the DOJ. This is a misreading of the DOJ of the task force's decisions over two years. So they do need to be taken out. Okay. And, Madam Otherwise, Chair, it's really a slap are in the you faces. speaking against the proposal to amend the amendment? Yeah, we're in the discussion phase of the motion that's on the floor. To amend Member the Holder amendment. had a point about amending the amendment, and I'm saying, yes, I, have a, I disagree with that. Okay, so you're speaking against the motion to amend the amendment. So I just want to make sure we keep it straight so that we're first going to take action with regard to the amendment made by Member Holder. 
that was seconded by member grills why are we first taking action because that's how you do it when you do amendments two amendments you take the last one first and if that amendment takes place no you don't okay i'm not okay so you've got to you've got to uh member i'm sorry chair So you, you have to take action, and obviously the vote, you know, you can discuss it, which is what you're just doing, but you're discussing it should be based on what you said, but make it clear that you're speaking with respect to the last amendment made. And then after that, if there's no further discussion, you would move it to the vote, and the member of the, of the uh, task force would vote on that amendment, if it fails, then you go back to the main motion with the amendment that was just made by Member Montgomery Stepp. Okay? So you first, you first do this amendment because what happens is that if that passes, it becomes a substitute motion. Okay? So that, because it takes the place of the first one. Okay? M Ma Madam Chair? Could you please? Madam Chair, do you? Yeah. Yeah. And you work backwards. Yeah. Work backwards. No, no, I was looking at her text. But that was Steph's motion. That's right. Or Brantford accepted. Let me. What is this? That's why the chair doesn't participate in this. That's why she's supposed to facilitate and not. Member uh, Scott Lewis, you're recognized. Member Montgomery Step, you're recognized. I, I was just going to try to go over the procedure. So because there are three, there's a, the main motion, there's amendment to that, and there's amendment to the amendment, um, we have to go backwards. Um, and so every one of those has a second. So we, ha we do have to vote on the last one first. Because if that if that fails, then the yeah, so anyway we have to. So the question is, if the last one, member Holder's amendment to the amendment passes, then that does nullify my motion. Okay, okay. But just to be clear, I made the motion to remove both of those sentences, and I I want to stand with that, and I think that there is very good reason to, to remove both of those 
um, just based on the conversations and the motions that we have passed as a task force along with the, uh, the language of AB 3121. I think that that is legitimate to remove both of those sentences. If you want to follow that amendment, then you would vote against this the amendment made yes. by Holder. Understood. Okay. Understood. The last motion is to delete the last sentence. I, I just think that I understand that um, okay. and appreciate and know where you're going with that. I do just think that the there is a an interpretation of the statute that I don't necessarily agree with in the, the okay. previous sentence. That's fine. Parliamentarian um, Johnson, roll call vote, please. Roll call. All member holders. I will begin with Chair Moore on the amendment to the amendment. Uh, Chair Moore? No. Chair Moore, Moore votes no. Vice Chair Brown? Vice Chair Brown votes no. Member Bradford? Member Bradford votes aye. Member Grills? Aye. Member Grill votes aye. Member Holder? Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Joan Sawyer? Member Joan Sawyer votes aye. Member uh, Lewis? Member Lewis votes no. Member Montgomery Stepp? No. Member Montgomery Stepp votes no. Member uh, Tamaki? Member Tamaki votes aye. Votes aye. Madam Chair, there were five ayes and four nays. No abstentions. Thank you. There are five ayes, four nays, no abstentions, uh, and the ayes have it. Okay, it is what it is. The motion has passed. You know, the sentence does not reflect the, very, the decisions that the task force has made over a course of years, and it does not reflect the actual language of the that. statute. It is a reflection of the opinion of the California DOJ. Well, the California DOJ has editorialized this paper. That is not that sentence is not a reflection of the task force's lineage decision. It's not a reflection of the statute as it's written. Chair Moore, just so we're clear, the decision was the decision of the task force. They just voted on it. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're clear. 
There's no editorialization happening. We're reconciling what's voted on and the feedback from the task force members, and the task force just made a vote to make a change. Okay, so I, in, in this particular section, um, I am recommending when we reference the community of eligibility, we put in a footnote as clarified by the author of the bill, Secretary of State Shirley Weber. Again, my, I'm looking to entertain a motion when we reference the community of eligibility, particularly in, in part five, we add a footnote as clarified by the author, Secretary of State Shirley Weber, when she provided expert testimony to the task force in February 2022. Is there a second? It is improperly moved by Senator Bradford and properly seconded uh, by Member Montgomery Stepp that we add to part five uh, when referencing uh, the community of eligibility, a footnote uh, that states, um, as clarified by the author, Sh Secretary of State Shirley Weber, uh, during expert testimony in February 2022. Is there any discussion on the matter? Uh, you're recognized, Vice Chair Brown. I would say this is no sour grape attitude. But I say this is a truth teller. I was born and bred in Mississippi. And when I die, I'm going to be a Mississippian who's been a fighter since I was 14 years old. Secretary Weber is from Arkansas. Know something about Eileen, Arkansas. That many don't know about, can't even imagine it. And I say this day, with all due respect to you, this is a slap in the face of this lady. The person who gave birth to the notion and idea. of reparations. And what is happening here? That the evil of dissing and disrespecting blackness and black genius is rising again. Right in our midst. Now the burden is on this state assembly and senate to show that it has some integrity, compassion, and sense of justice. To do the right thing. 
it, it's a crime against humanity. But what's happening still as we speak to black folks in this state? And you all know what I'm talking about. And after all these years, the same thing that happened at Clinton, Mississippi on September the 4th, 1875. When 50 black people were massacred by those racist Democrats who didn't want to follow Reconstruction and were mad because Hiram Rhodes Revels made it to that U.S. Senate. Were mad because C.K. Bruce was elected too. So I say, we are spitting on the grave of the people of Clinton, the town where my mama and granddaddy were born, 12 miles west of Jackson, near a place right now where the state legislature is taking over the whole judiciary system of the city of Jackson. And also the police department. We are just as bad as those folks down there. I hate to have to say all this, but I got to say it. It's like fire shut up in my bones. Junior said, where do we go from here? We're going to chaos. That's where we're going, not community. Not community because of this subversion. <laughs> I know that's right. Yeah, so <laughs> the motion is on the floor. It's been properly moved and seconded. But Again, I'm the one voting for the public needs to know that, that we're spitting on her. Yeah, part five. But you just made decisions against her this whole day. All right, let's turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. <laughs> and he turned it red. I will be. I will begin with uh, Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Vice Chair Brown. Aye. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Member Bradford. Aye. Member Bradford votes aye. Member Grills. No. Member Grills votes no. Member Holder. Member Holder. No vote. No vote. Abstention. Member Joan Sawyer. Member Joan Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Stepp. 
Member Montgomery Stepp votes aye. Member Tamaki? Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there are nine, nine members present in voting. There are eight ayes, zero nays, and one abstention. One no. One no. One no. I'm so sorry. Yeah. There's seven ayes, zero nays. I'm sorry, one nay and one abstention. Thank you, Parliamentarian Johnson. There were seven ayes, one nay, one abstention. The ayes have it, and the motion carries. Uh, now we'll turn to the global um, entertaining of a motion to approve this section um, as amended, uh, as discussed today. Is there a second? It's been properly moved by Member Scott Lewis and properly seconded by Member Holder. Uh, to approve um, action item number 11 um, as, as amended. Um, is there any discussion on the matter? Hearing no discussion, I'll turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. Thank you. I will begin with Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Vice Chair Brown. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Member Bradford? Aye. Member Bradford votes aye. Member Grills? Aye. Member Grills votes aye. Member Holder? Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Jones Sawyer? Member Jones Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis? Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Stepp? Member Montgomery Stepp votes aye. Member Tamaki? Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there are nine members present in voting. There are nine ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. There are nine ayes, uh, zero nays, and zero abstentions, and thus the ayes have it. So we'll now turn to the, uh, the other action item on the agenda, which is action item number 11. Final discussion and vote on, on the full final report, part five. Any um, questions? 12. Oh, 12. Um, 12. Part six, yes. which is chapter, oh, okay, 12, full final report, part six, report on Racial Justice Act implementation. Second. Uh, it's been properly moved by Member uh, Tamaki and properly seconded by Member Scott Lewis to approve action item number 13. 12. Is there any discussion on the matter? Hearing none, I'll turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. Thank you. I will begin with Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Vice Chair Brown? Aye. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Member Bradford? Aye. Member Bradford votes aye. Member Grills? Aye. Member Grills votes aye. Member Holder? Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Jones Sawyer? Aye. Member Jones Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis? Aye. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Stepp? Aye. Member Montgomery Stepp votes aye. Member Tamaki? Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there are nine members present in voting. There are nine ayes, 
zero nays, and zero abstentions. Thank you. There are nine ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. The ayes have it, and the motion carries. We'll now turn to action item number 13, final discussion and vote on the full final report, Bun Center report on community engagement and input through community listening sessions. There a second. <laughs> um, it's been properly moved by uh, Member Grills and properly seconded uh, by Member Scott Lewis uh, to approve action item number 13. Is there any um, discussion on the matter? It would be appropriate, and Member Grills, please let me know your thoughts on this, uh, for this section to include uh, the total cost of the engagement of the Bunch Center and um, all of the various funding sources. Um, and the funding sources would be framed in like a special thanks type of way, like thanks to you know, the California taxpayers and to you know, the various different private organizations um, that um, you worked with to secure funding for this effort. I don't really see what that's adding to the content of the report for the Bunch Center. Um, and I don't see us doing that, for example, with The Economist talking about how much is being paid. So I, I would not advocate for adding that kind of information. And what about um, the various different funding sources? I know you reached out to various different private foundations. Do you think that sh they should be acknowledged in any way in this report? I guess they could. Are, is the California but, but that would have to go through to the Bunch Center the because that's the Bunch Center's report which is being inserted into our report. Right, but we've ha we have the editorial privilege um, to edit what's in our report. And so, for instance, in the first iteration or draft of the Bunch Center um, executive summary in our report, there was no mention of the amount of people uh, they reached out to um, and things like that, and so now that's in the report since I inserted it. Um, so again, we have the power. We are in, we're independent of the UCLA Bun Center. If we can do what ask we want. Professor Stoll, that's a decision that he. I, I would ask say he, Professor Stoll what about adding that information? I can't make that call. Chair Moore, if I may. Attorney Newman, you're recognized. Sure. Um, so the Bunch Center was contracted with the with the task force and had a deliverable. The deliverable was a report, and the report was delivered and adopted in September. So that would have been uh, the time that any changes that were sought in the report would have been included in the report and adopted for the report. Um, so uh, again, in order for that for them to change the report, I don't think the task force would want to delegate to the contractor to make the changes as they, they saw fit, and then have it just included in the final report. Again, just looking at where we are in the timing at this juncture. Um, there wouldn't be a time for that to come back to the task force to review and evaluate and, and endorse again, because it's already been done. Okay. Um, the other 
suggestion I was going to say is in this executive summary, the names of the anchor orgs aren't in the, in here. So that was another potential addition that I was going to add to acknowledge the anchor organizations as well in the executive summary of the Bunt report. Yeah, again, it's the same the same issue. The task force already um, adopted the Bunt Center report as presented. Um, so at this point, they'd have to go back in and change, and then it would not leave an opportunity for the task force to readopt it. So that would have been something that would have needed to have been done previously. So okay, so it's been stated by member Grills and the California DOJ that they don't want the funding sources to be in the executive summary because the UCLA Bunt Center hasn't put that information in there, and thus. Well, I wasn't finished, but okay. It's neither here nor there. So again, you know, my thought was that there should be um, a section in that report to be transparent. This is a public board and commission. We should know, you know, what private organizations are funding this community engagement process. And I thought that because we're an independent task force, I understand the UCLA Bunt Center has its own report but we have the editorial privilege to put in the report what we want to put in. And so it was just a friendly recommendation, right, to acknowledge the private foundations that you recruited to have them acknowledged in this report as well. If you don't want to do that, that's perfectly fine. And we can entertain a motion to um, accept this part of the report as presented. Is there a second? <coughs> They're all listed in the acknowledgement section of the report, so they're already there, all, all of the contributors. Which include, which, so you know, the, you know the names of the private foundations that have been recruited for this. Um, mm -hmm. Member Montgomery, step, you're recognized. Uh, I'm not sure if it's an exhaustive list, but the anchor orgs are in, listed in the acknowledgements. Um, there is... There's also a section that says um, we would like to thank these organizations and individuals who supported this project from facilitation to funding. So I, it, I'm, that may not be completely clear who they are, but it is it is listed in there. I have the Weingart Foundation and the California Wellness Foundation and um, quite a few others. Sorry. But I don't know if it's exhausted. No, I'm I'm I miss I miss. Folks, sorry, I was talking about the executive summary. So in the executive oh, okay. summary, we give a synopsis of the Bunt Center report, and I was saying that that information should be in the executive summary because most people are not going to read the full final report. So, oh. any, so anyway, so excuse me on that. So we can entertain a motion to approve the final Bunt Center report. And it's already a motion on the floor. It's been seconded, so I'll turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. Yes, I will move on action item number 13. I will begin with Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Vice Chair Brown? Aye. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Member Bradford? Aye. Member Bradford votes aye. Member Grills? Aye. Member Grills votes aye. Member Holder? Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Lewis? Aye. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Stepp? Member Montgomery Stepp votes aye. Member Tamaki? Aye. Member Tamaki votes aye. 
Madam Chair, there are nine members present in voting. There are nine ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. Thank you. There are nine ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. The ayes have it, and the motion carries. Uh, member John Sawyer, you're recognized. I, I don't think I was called. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, Just for, for the record. For the record. Thank you. Uh, so the next um, item on the agenda is a break. We can move forward to power through this. The next item on the agenda is item number 15, final discussion and vote on the full final report, task force recommendations for educating the public. Are there any comments, questions? My change is that any explicit reference to a docu-series needs to be deleted. Okay. So, we can entertain a motion to approve um, item number 15, you know, as amended with the deletion of any explicit reference of the docu-series. So moved. Sir, it's been properly moved by member Scott Lewis and properly seconded by uh, Vice Chair Brown to approve action item 15 uh, with the amendment to delete any explicit reference to a docu-series. Is there any discussion on the matter? Hearing none, I'll turn to um, Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. Thank you. I will begin by calling on Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Vice Chair Brown. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Member Grills? Abstain. Member Grills abstains. Member Holder? Abstain. Member Holder abstains. Member Joan Sawyer? Aye. Member Joan Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis? Aye. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Stepp? Aye. Member Montgomery Stepp votes aye. Member Tamaki? Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there are nine members present and voting. Why is this? Member Bradford votes aye. Sorry, Member Bradford. Member Bradford votes aye. Madam Chair, there are nine members present and voting. There were seven ayes, two abstentions, no nays. Thank you, Parliamentarian Johnson. There were seven ayes, two abstentions, and no nays, and thus the ayes have it, and the motion carries. We'll turn to action item number 16, final discussion and vote on the full final report, part nine, compendium of statutes and case law that contributed to an unjust legal system. There a motion to, uh, is there a second? Second. There, it has been properly moved by Senator Bradford and properly seconded by Vice Chair Brown to approve action item 16 as presented. Uh, is there any discussion on the matter? Hearing none, I'll turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. Yes, beginning with the chair, Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Chair Brown. Chair Brown votes aye. Member Bradford. Aye. Member Bradford votes aye. 
Member Grills? Aye. Member Grills votes aye. Member Holder? Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Jones-Sawyer? Aye. Member Jones-Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis? Aye. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Stepp? Member Montgomery Step votes aye. Member Tamaki? Aye. Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there are nine members present in voting. There are nine ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. Thank you, Parliamentarian Johnson. There were nine ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions, and thus the ayes have it, and the motion carries. Uh, we'll now turn to um, action item number 17, which is um, final discussion and vote on the full final report executive summary. So I have a, a point of clarification. Um, Attorney Newman, can you remind me, is this the um, part of the report where initially that Sonia Sotomayor race matters quote was in? Um, I don't, I don't frankly recall, but I know we took it out. I'm and what did you replace um, that quote with? I, I don't exactly remember. We're going to look at right now. We'll, we can come back to it if there are other issues, but we'll look at, for that. And I don't remember, do you remember exactly where that was, Chair Moore? We'll search for it and come back to it. No, no, the, the one, it's not there, but I will search for it and I, I see where it was and see what it was replaced with. Or actually, it was taken out and we can follow up with you right after the meeting. If you don't want to use time right now, we can follow up with you on it. But we have taken it out. You instructed it, and I think there was a vote on it, and so it's out. Um, is there any discussion on the matter? I have a discussion um, as or a comment or a point to include. We already voted to include um, in the footnote uh, where we referenced in part five the community of eligibility. Uh, we, we voted to insert as clarified by the author, um, Secretary of State Shirley Weber. Uh, I'm voting to, well, I would like to entertain a motion to also um, incorporate that footnote. Anytime in the executive summary, there's a reference to the community of eligibility that it be added as clarified by the author, Secretary of State Shirley Weber.
No, because there's an emotional before. Okay. Um, so the motion on the floor is to approve it as presented. Dr. Grills, are you willing to do a friendly amendment to add that footnote? No, you're not. Okay. So what's, is there any other discussion on the matter? Okay. Um, so I'll turn to um, Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. Abstain. Madam Chair abstains. Uh, Vice Chair Brown? To approve the executive summary as presented. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Okay. Member Bradford? Aye. Member Bradford votes aye. Member Grills? Aye. Member Grill votes aye. Member Holder? Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Jones Sawyer? Member Jones Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis? Aye. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Step? Member Montgomery Step votes aye. Member Tamaki? Aye. Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there are nine members present in voting. There are eight ayes, zero nays, and one abstention. Thank you. Uh, there were uh, eight ayes, one abstention, and zero nays, and thus the ayes have it, and the motion carries. Uh, so that concludes uh, most of the substantive items in the agenda. Um, so the next item on the agenda is um, oh right. Um, before we do, before we do so, again. This is the time now that we're, um, you know, talking about the the final report to again, you know, entertain a motion where in the report there's references to the community of eligibility that we reference as clarified by the author, Secretary of State Shirley Weber. And since we already voted to do that for part five, then Attorney Newman, we can follow up to make sure that that's incorporated throughout the report. Yeah, I think that was just the vote. That, I think that was just the motion that was voted on. No, the motion was to approve it as presented. I asked Dr. Grills for a friendly amendment. She said no. Then the vote was passed to, right, and so now I'm making a reference that we did already in part five say we we're going to add that language. So we might as well just entertain a motion to apply that language, to apply that language throughout the interim report and see what happens. I mean, throughout the final report and just see where the vote goes. So, is there a motion? Is there a motion to, you know, throughout the report, since we voted on it for part five, throughout the report where there's references to the community of eligibility, we add, as clarified by the author, Secretary of State Shirley Weber. Is there a second? 
has been properly moved by Member Montgomery Step and properly seconded by Vice Chair Brown, um, that where we reference the community of eligibility in the report, um, as we already voted in Part 5, that we apply that uh, to the rest of the sections in the report um, as relevant or as, as relevant. Uh, is there any discussion on the matter? Um, Member Scott Lewis, you're recognized. Saying that every time that there's an instance where we reference the community of eligibility, we add a footnote about Secretary Weber? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I, I might not add Dr. Weber specifically. I would reference the legislation that got us here, and I would rep reference AB 3121. But remember, um, <laughs> over a course of a year and a half before we decided who would be eligible for reparations, um, we were all kind of, you know, needed clarity for why, um, for clarity around what the statute actually said. So again, you know, I read through the entire minutes for all the past two years, and it was actually Member Joan Sawyer who, and Member Bradford who recommended that we invite Secretary Weber to give us clarity about what the actual bill language meant and said. October 7th, um, October 2021 meeting minutes. Member Jones Sawyer stated that the topic of community of eligibility should be a priority for the task force to study, get help from experts, and that Dr. Weber could be invited to a future meeting to explain her intent directly to the task force members. He attested that Dr. Weber fought hard for every word in the bill and that every word was deliberate. That's in the October 2021 minutes. Member Bradford agreed with Member Jones Sawyer as someone who discussed the intent of the bill with Dr. Weber and who voted for the bill. He agreed that Dr. Weber could be invited to share directly her intent of the bill regarding eligibility. Vice Chair Brown moved that the Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber, address the task force regarding the topic of community of eligibility at a future meeting. The motion was seconded following dis the discussion and it passed. Member Scott Lewis, you're recognized. So I, uh, I completely appreciate and recognize the need to elevate the definition of eligibility with the kind of influence and even authority of Dr. Weber. I do want to say, though, that if we as a task force mean anything, we should feel confident enough that as a body, we have defined eligibility, and that should be enough. That if it's not enough, then, then, then we have a problem. If it's not enough, then we, we really have a problem. Because the truth is that AB 3121 could have directly decided on eligibility, but instead they asked us to decide on eligibility. There was, it was on, it was, and listen, and I understand that a lot of people worked very hard to get to get where we got with AB 3121 with special consideration. And at the very first meeting of the task force, we all wanted to know what this meant. And eventually we got some clarity from Dr. Weber. And we voted for eligibility on the basis of lineage. And so I, I understand what you're trying to say. I understand what that means. But I want us 
I want us to advance the authority of this task force. We have a footnote, we have a footnote that provides clarification. In one section, that's fine. But, you, but, you, but to be fair, that's not how footworks, footnotes work. Right? So what we can do is we can say that at the first instance of eligibility in the final report, we have a footnote there that mentions Dr. Webber. And that then carries forward that every time there is an instance of eligibility, the explanation of that footnote carries forward. And, and thank, you so, so, thank you so much, Member Scott Lewis, because that was the insertion um, that I put in into the draft section. The first instance where right. eligibility is referenced, I did put right. as clarified as, you know, by Secretary of State right. Shirley Weber. It was the California DOJ who rejected that insertion and told me if I wanted it to be included, it would have to be in the form of a motion. So here we are today. But it's in there, right? So, so where did it change it to move it up to the first instance then? As I said, okay. that as I requested to the DOJ three weeks ago. Okay. I did well, okay. Okay. Uh, Vice Chair Brown, you're recognized. Yes, ma'am. Madam Chair. Members of the task force, may I have your attention? I just might say something. Except those whom I told, I want everybody who's heard of Reverend Josiah Henson. Hold up your hands. Nobody that I told. Everybody who is here under the sound of my voice who has ever heard of Reverend Josiah Henson. Well, I have to give all of you F minus. This is the reason why we need to be careful about being historically accurate and telling the truth. You heard about Frederick Douglass, who was an AME Zion preacher. And Harry Tubman was his sidekick and good trouble. You heard about Booker T. Washington. But you never heard of Reverend Josiah Henson. Why? Because white arrogance did not want you to ever know the truth. The whole truth. About what we as black folks have done in spite of that hellish, horrifying experience of enslavement. They didn't want you to know that we really were achievers. Give you the answer. Reverend Josiah Henson was born in 1789 in Montgomery County, Maryland. 
and this evil white enslaver, this doctor who was his enslaver, called him one day on that plantation with a spelling book in his hand. And he looked at him and said, using the N-word, where did you get that spelling book from? He said, I bought it from the fruit that I've been selling. And he grabbed a stick and beat him across his left shoulder. That left him deformed for the rest of his life. Even though he lived to be 93 years old. He fled from enslavement in Kentucky after he was sold down there. Kept on fighting up to Ohio. And way back in 1830, before the Civil War, built up at Don, Ontario, Canada, a whole community, which there was a school, there was economic empowerment, and our people were thriving. He went to England twice to speak to Queen Victoria about the evils of slavery in America and all of the hardship and horrors that he went through. And he spoke also to the Archbishop of Canterbury. The point that I'm making is, this man was a builder and excelled in spite of the hellishness and horror of enslavement. But you never heard about it. And you know what else? Harriet Beecher Stowe stole his Uncle Tom's cabin. That was his autobiography. And she got notoriety. And when Abraham Lincoln met Harriet Tubman, he looked at her and said, so you the little lady who got this civil war going, which was about slavery and not about states' rights. Thank you for indulging, but I, I think I, I, I did something here today. With all this man did and led over 100 people to liberation to Canada, was beaten, was sick, and lived to be 93 years old, and some of us don't even make it to 25 or 50. So, brothers and sisters, let's get with it. Be strong, like Josiah Henson was. And don't let nobody mess with our thinking for ourselves. He built a community that empowered black folk. Right. So That's what he did. 
call for the call for it. Okay, but remind the the motion on the floor was to include reference to as clarified by uh, Shirley Weber in um, you know sections where it, it refers to the community of eligibility. But then during the discussion, I just want to recap. There was a discussion where you said that's not how footnotes work, and how if that's going to be the case, and it needs to be at the first instance where it's mentioned. So who made the motion again? Do you, okay, will you accept a friendly amendment to the motion to um, state where in the first instance community of eligibility is mentioned, that's where the footnote regarding to Shirley Weber will be placed? Okay, so Member Montgomery Step has accepted that friendly amendment. Now there's been a call to the question. Now we can turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. I, I'd just like to get clarification so we know exactly what our instructions are in the drafting, which is previously we had a discussion and a vote to include Shirley Weber as referenced in, in a footnote. So I want to make clear, you're, are you now telling us to include Shirley Weber in, a, in that footnote at the first mention of the task force's vote on lineage. Yes. And that's it? Okay. Yes. Because it'll apply globally wherever community eligibility is mentioned throughout so the modifying vote. the earlier vote that was had to just say the first time. The first. Great. Okay. So the first one only. I will begin with the vote with uh, Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Vice Chair Brown. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Member Bradford. Aye. Member Bradford votes aye. aye. Mem aye. Member Grills. Aye. Member Grills votes aye. Member Holder. Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Jones Sawyer. Aye. Member Jones Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis. Aye. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Step. Member Montgomery Step votes aye. Member Tamaki. Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there are nine members present in voting. There were nine ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. Thank you. There were nine ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. The ayes have it, and the motion carries. So we are about on time, so we can move to the next item on the agenda, which is the planning of our last and final meeting. Um, we can do that now, or if you guys want to take a little break. All right. Okay. So the so the next item on the agenda is June 30th, 2023, meeting location and agenda. So the location has not yet been chosen, um, as well as the substance of the meeting. So does any task force member want to start off the discussion um, in terms of what you all may? Uh, think the last meeting should look like. Member Joan Sawyer, <laughs> you are recognized, sir. So um, it is, it's come to Mr. Bradford's attention and my attention that on June 30th will be the day that we in the assembly have the official change from one speaker to another, from uh, Speaker Rendon to Speaker Rivas in Sacramento. Um, we're worried that because of the the press 
that will be out for speaker change because it's a pretty big deal in California. That it may not, we may not get the publicity and what we want, and we're recommending that we move it up a day to the 29th, and then have it in Sacramento because that's where Mr. Bradford and I will be in Sacramento. We both have to be in session to vote, um, and but most probably most important that we we have the actual turning over the document on the 29th at Dr. Shirley Weber's, Secretary of State Weber's um, facility and auditorium. She is the original author. I think it would pay, pay homage to her. Um, we may also get some other um, statewide officers or African American to attend. And uh, we can then have the full attention, not only of the entire assembly, the Senate, but hopefully the state and the country that day and not have to compete with the changing of the guard in the assembly. Um, there's been some preliminary talk with Dr. Weber and her office about the availability of using um, her, her auditorium. Um, I believe we got preliminary okay um, to do that, um, but um, this would not delay us from being able to put the, print the report um, but the, probably the most important thing, well, the two most important things is, one, to make sure that the press is focused just on re this and reparations and nothing else. And then, two, um, to have Dr. Weber there when we, d when we do that would be really be, um, I mean, I think it would be the culmination for her and her career and really a way to celebrate with her the, the accomplishment of something she set out two years ago. Any other uh, discussion? Thank you, uh, Member Joan Sawyer, um, for those um, remarks. Um, is there a motion if we want to just accept? A motion that we accept Joan Sawyer's suggestion. Is there a second? That we meet in Sacramento on the 29th of June. It's been properly moved by Vice Chair Brown and properly seconded by uh, Member Scott Lewis that um, our hearing be moved to June 29th and the location be um, in Sacramento. Is there any discussion on the matter? I have a question, Conference DJ. When will this re final report actually be published and released? The, the final day of your meeting is when it will be published the 29th yeah that makes sense no I was gonna ask like could it be in Los Angeles if we just move it up a couple of weeks or something like that because I'm like I don't know is there a lot of black folks in Sacramento that are going to come out and other folks that are going to come out if we have Okay, so there is a motion on the floor. Is there any discussion on the matter? Hearing none, we'll turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. Thank you, Madam Chair. I will begin with Chair Moore. Aye. 
Chair Moore votes aye. Vice Chair Brown? Aye. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Member Bradford? Okay. Uh, Member Grills? Member Holder? Aye. Member Holder votes aye. Member Joan Sawyer? Aye. Member Joan Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis? Aye. Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery Stepp? Member Montgomery Stepp votes aye. Member Tamaki? Aye. Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there were seven members present in voting. There were seven ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. There were seven ayes, zero nays, and zero abstentions. The ayes have it, and the motion carries. Uh, we'll now turn to uh, number 19, which is discussion and potential action item unfinished business. Um, you're, you're recognized. The other piece to that item was to set the agenda for that meeting, and we put it up on the screen. Um, it, it's also part of the meeting materials, but that is a draft for your consideration, uh, but we need to uh, vote to approve that as well much um, attorney Brown for that one addition that I think would be good would be if we add because I know um, I think in September we said we were going to organize an evening testimonial event uh, where um, you know, the community of eligibility uh, would be able to share their personal testimonies about the different atrocities that they've experienced um, that correspond with the chapters in our report. And so I do think we have some time to, p to plan for that. We have about two months um, until that last meeting where we can add um, between or between three and four um, an agenda item where we invite, um, you know, 13 people, so to speak, or 12 people corresponding with each chapter in our report, enslavement, political disenfranchisement, racial terror, racism in the environment and infrastructure, the pathologizing of the black family. We invite a person to speak to someone who has lived experience with each of those corresponding harms. Um, since we will have um, press and we'll have the eyes and the attention of the nation and the globe, I think that would um, strengthen um, and bolster, um, again, uh, the import of this final report. So I'm willing to, um, you know, work to identify and, in fact, Again, we were already supposed to have this in September, but I think the comms group pushed it to February, and it never happened. Um, and there are people who were already identified, like, um, and I won't say their names, but I think Elmer Fonta, some other folks, you know, descendants of folks who were enslaved in the state of California who are eager to share their testimony um, to the task force as it responds, as it, you know, as it relates to the different chapters in our report. So I think that would just be a really good addition, um, again, to our final meeting to hear from 13 individuals, 12 to 13 individuals, 
where they can share their story as it relates to each of the atrocities that we've defined in the report. I remember, Tamaki, I know that, I mean, well, that was one of your original ideas, I think, with Dr. Grills as is, is well, because you said how that really moved the needle of public opinion and for redress, for the Japanese-American uh, redress movement. Um, you all having that testimonial event where testimonies were prepared um, in order to elicit the, 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 the maximum emotional response, that is what that event is what really changed the hearts and minds for folks to really support this. And I think this is a great, um, you know, structure, but I think, you know, adding that part uh, in our final meeting would just put the, would, would be the cherry on top, to be honest. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really uh, good point because it personalizes, humanizes the story. And this is not abstract policy. This is personal. This This is family and ancestral experience. I think that's a great idea. Um, I think it's a question of, of um, structuring it so it fits within the agenda. And 13 um, speakers might be long, but that's something that um, the advisory committee and other task force members supporting this can work out. Uh, I think it's a practical matter if it lasts too long. It's counterproductive. You lose people's attention, legislators leave the venue. But if it's if you've got great speakers and they've they're well prepared and it's punchy and succinct, it will be um including that, it, it will be powerful. It could be. So Okay, so. Madam Chair, I'll have a motion that we would work to put that in place. So there's been a motion. Is there a second? So there's been a, a, a motion moved, properly moved by Vice Chair Brown and properly seconded by Member Tamaki that we um, include in our final uh, meeting an, an agenda item where we will invite uh, people. Um, particular people to provide uh, personal testimony um, on some of the atrocities uh, that we've identified in the interim report. Together to coordinate this. Uh, I mean, we can work with the comms team, but again, she was supposed to organize it in in December, then she said she pushed it to February, which never happened, and she never gave us an update on when it would happen again, and she's not here today. So, yeah, so um, it did get pushed back. You're totally right, uh, Chair Moore. Uh, but other things have been happening, and um, for instance, um, and uh, when the comps consultant came on, we had, let's just take the, the endorsements of our organizations. Maybe we had 40 or 50. Now it's 165 organizations in California, big and small, um, including the yesterday was the California Wellness Foundation, 
Um, there are, uh, of course, advocates on there. There's civil rights organizations. Uh, folks here um, have been responsible for that. But there's been basically a, a lot of work done in terms of getting the awareness out. And so suddenly this endorsement thing has really accelerated. And so um, I think that's a, a lot of where the focus has been in getting the social media out, getting the speakers, organi you know, organizing events and this sort of thing. So um, yeah, it, it did get pushed back, but it was not as if nothing, nothing was done. So I just want to sort of round that out. But I think in terms of time, timeliness, I think you're absolutely right. June 29th, uh, when we submit the report, is probably the time of maximum coverage anyway. So I, I think uh, I think it it works, um, and and the comms team should be involved in shaping this, with the help of task force members. Member Scott Lewis and Senator Bradford will be working on that with her. <laughs> We will provide the appropriate and necessary support as a communications advisory group should. I mean, I think, you know, so, so Shauna Charles understands that, you know, the task force is asking her to do a variety of things and, and um, there will need to be a question around funding some of this stuff and I think However, that works. Um, yes. Oh, there's no money. Um, you know, but I think in terms of organizing something, you know, on location, perhaps in a somewhat conventional way, you know, I think the comms the, the comms group will be able to facilitate that. Um, but there is a question of depending on what you want to do, right, and what that costs. That's that what that's what needs clarification. Yeah, just to clarify, the comms firm is is still contracted to work with us until yep. June thirtieth, twenty twenty three, right? So I mean so she's going saying. to work with to support this effort regardless because and it's going to be an agenda right. item in the meeting, so she has to publicize the meeting. No, that's exactly right. So it's no so funding you know. So but what I was gonna say is and I think the motion on the floor the spirit of it was Vice Chair Brown wanted to work with me to yes. help identify the people who will be giving that personal testimony. And then, of course, by virtue of her job duties, she will inherently have to publicize it because it will be an agenda item for our final meeting. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So the, the publicity of the activities is within the remit of the Charles Group. But what I'm saying is the organizing of the activities is a separate issue. And so that's what I'm saying that we need clarification on. So if you're asking the Charles Group to organize this event, that does actually introduce questions of funding and what have you. But if you're asking Charles Group to publicize an event that the task force is organizing, then that's entirely appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We are asking the comms group to publicize our final meeting. That's in her job responsibilities. So in terms of actually inviting and picking the folks who are going to give personal testimony, right. 
the suggestion is that me and Vice Chair Brown work together on that piece. Yes, because, I mean, to my mind, this will function like our witness panels had in the first year of, of our meetings. So I think in that regard, it's, it's, it's very reasonable to suggest that we do this. So there's already been a motion on the floor and it's seconded. Is there any discussion on the matter? Uh, so I'll, I'll turn to Parliamentarian Johnson for a roll call vote. Thank you. I will begin the roll call with Chair Moore. Aye. Chair Moore votes aye. Uh, Vice Chair Brown. Vice Chair Brown votes aye. Member Bradford. Mem Member Grills. Member Holder. Member Holder abstains. Member Jones-Sawyer, aye. Member Jones-Sawyer votes aye. Member Lewis, Member Lewis votes aye. Member Montgomery-Step, Member Montgomery-Step votes aye. Member Tamaki, Member Tamaki votes aye. Madam Chair, there are seven members present in voting. There are six Ayes, one abstention, zero nays. Thank you. There are six ayes, zero abstentions, and zero nays, and thus the ayes have it, and the motion carries. One abstention. Oh, sorry, excuse me, one abstention um, by Member Holder. Thank you for that. And, um, yeah, so the ayes have it, and the motion carries. So I'll turn to the next item on the agenda, which is discussion and potential action item, unfinished business. Member, uh, not member, <laughs> Attorney Brown, you're recognized. Uh, okay. Um, we don't have any uh, other uh, items to discuss. I just wanted to clarify on the last vote that was taken that uh, you and Vice Chair Brown will work with the comms firm directly on planning this event because we don't want to create a Bagley-Keene violation if you're working through Bradford and uh, Member Lewis. So oh. it should be either the advisory committee works with the comms to plan it or if uh, Vice Chair Brown and yourself are going to plan it, then you'd have to work directly with the comms firm. No, it would be indirect because, again, her role already is to publicize our final meeting. And we voted that we're going to include, you know, public testimony. So all she has to do is publicize the final meeting and in her, pub in, in, in her publicity mention, we're also going to have as part of our final meeting a section where we will hear personal testimony from people with lived experience. Yeah. No, that's and then fine. when the agenda item is public, if we publicize the names of those people, then she could amplify or augment her publicity to mention those names and their stories. Yeah, that's fine. I just wanted to be clear that it wasn't working through that advisory committee and DOJ does not have a role in that process. So we'll just agendize it and then you'll do whatever you do to get the people there. Okay. is task force member closing remarks and meeting adjourned. Vice Chair Brown, do you have any closing remarks? No. Uh, member Tamaki, you're recognized. Well, I want to just thank the Department of Justice again. I mean, 
the amount of work that was produced uh, just going through these pages and being able to harmonize them in a way that makes make sense because there's numbers of attorneys each authoring different sections, each working, you know, uh, to incorporate the feedback of task force members. Uh, it, it is a monumental job. And I'm getting emails at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. during the weekday and on weekends. So I, I know, I have a sense of how much work is in, has been involved. And um, it's one of these things where people have to believe in the mission in order to do this. And so I think uh, when they signed up for this kind of work within the Civil Rights Division, uh, this is something that they wanted to do as a personal and professional mission. And it shows in the work. So I think it's terrific. And I just wanted to give props to the Department of Justice on this. <laughs> Thank you, Member Tamaki. Any other closing remarks? Again, I'd also like to thank Mills College for hosting us. I'd also like to thank the community of eligibility for attending and sitting through today. <laughs> Uh, I know it might have been tough in some spots, um, but I just want to say to stay encouraged and, you know, history is repeating itself. Um, there is, you know, when we think about Callie House and Isaiah Dickerson and what they had to go through, you know, it was actually federal agencies like the U.S. Postal Office, the U.S. DOJ, uh, the U.S. Pensions Office um, that worked to um, hinder uh, the freed people's movement for pensions. And so just stay encouraged and know that justice will prevail at the end of the day. Thank you. This meeting is officially adjourned.